and welcome to Heart to Heart, a podcast from your local charity, Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and in this podcast, we'll be speaking to survivors, supporters and friends of Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke about their real experiences of living with chest, heart and stroke conditions. And we'll be hearing more about the work Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke are doing to lead the fight against these diseases. Today's episode is all about living with long COVID. I'll be speaking to Rebecca Logan, who fell ill with COVID-19 last year. Aged just 40, she went from being healthy and active to being virtually housebound. We'll be chatting about living with long COVID and finding out how the charity's COVID-19 recovery programme, the first service of its kind in Northern Ireland, has helped her recovery. We're also joined in this edition by Catherine Mernon, the Director of Care Services at Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke. So welcome to both of you, but Catherine, I'll come to you in just a moment. But Rebecca, your story has been told quite a few times. A lot of the media are very, very interested in, in what you've been through. But if you could take us back, if you don't mind, to your experience of contracting COVID. So what was life like for you before? What happened and what has happened since? Well, before COVID, I was um, a fitness instructor and a bank nurse, which is a part, which is like a, a part-time nurse filling in shifts where they're needed. And I worked in um, emergency department in a hospital in Belfast. So I worked seven days a week. I worked night duties. I did 12 to 13 high intensity fitness classes a week. Um, I'm a mom of two girls who are 12 and 14 and a wife, so I just never stopped. So I was extremely busy, extremely active, loved life and added in some so social events too with that. So um, I was working in ED right from the start of the pandemic. Um, and uh, most of my shifts were in COVID ED because we had to split the department into non-COVID and COVID and um, I was involved with the care of patients coming in who were suspected of COVID and would have been swabbing them and treating them and unfortunately seeing the, the horrible side of people dying on their own and that sort of thing in ED. So I was, you know, right in there right from the start um, and I contracted um, COVID on the 7th of April and 2020 and I think that uh, I most likely got it when I was working because I was doing a lot of shifts because obviously we needed all hands on deck and I was you know happy to work and, and did you have the adequate PPE at that point no we didn't because it was just at the start nobody knew was, you know it was a new thing and every day you were told different things to wear so really we definitely didn't now when you see what is available and what is recommended what I was wearing was definitely not you know up to standard so were you shocked when you contracted it or did you think this is inevitable I think I thought it was inevitable you know I kept saying to my family um because they were obviously concerned they you know and I said well I think I'm going to get it but I'll be okay because at that stage people sort of thought you two weeks you'll be fine you know and it wasn't a particularly scary thing because I'm I was only 39 when I contracted it. I was fit, I was healthy, I had no previous medical conditions. So I, you know, at that stage, 
I wasn't in the high risk category. So I just thought, well, it'll be like a mild flu and I'll be okay. I mean, I remember um, the day I actually went into work not feeling well, but I didn't have the typical symptoms. So that's why I went into work. You know, I didn't have a cough. I didn't have a high temperature. I just felt really strange and out of body, you know, like just cold, but um, it was it was the strangest feeling. Really hard to describe. Yes. And I, I didn't have a temperature because when I was in work, my colleagues, I said, I don't feel very well. And I, they checked my temperature, they checked my oxygen saturations, they checked everything and I was okay. But as the day went on, I just got, I just, it felt like I was out of body, as I said, and we were doing some training and I felt like, um, really detached and dizzy, like I wasn't there and I just knew that there's something not right. But even that day when I spoke to the charge nurse, he said, we'll see you in two weeks. And here I are, I am 16 months later, I've never been able to return to work. Oh my goodness, that is absolutely horrendous. So at the time when you when you got your positive result then, what was your experience of, of having COVID like? Um, well, I was when I got the positive, and even though I knew I probably had it, I was so upset. I was just like, oh my goodness, um, I've got COVID. I was in bed for about three days, just that awful, my body ached. I had a terrible headache, um, no appetite. I did lose my taste and smell, but even at that point, that wasn't one of the symptoms. You know, it was sort of like a new thing with COVID. People were losing their taste and smell. Um, I just felt tired. I had, didn't have a cough, but I noticed that I was a bit breathless. Um, so yeah, I was for the first 10 days, it, I was pretty miserable dizziness, you know, but I got up every day, try the girls, my girls were a bit frightened, you know, obviously. So I was trying to, you know, be there, be a mummy, you know, and that so sort of thing. The, the rules and the, the advice on restrictions or what to do or to isolate from the rest of the house, people didn't really know what to do at well, that point. Yes, because I, well, I had been, I had obviously, the, the Saturday before I went into work feeling unwell, I taught a class in my house on Zoom. And looking back, I wasn't, I, I couldn't remember the routine and I taught it loads of times and I just, felt awful and but we, I'd been living with the girls and Gus my husband all the way through you know on this time and my husband I said to my husband will I stay in our bedroom and he said no we're okay we'll just all stick together but it wasn't like a definite thing at the time you know the girl on the phone said it's up to you you know just be careful with bathroom and towels and that sort of thing and with no vaccinations at that point no so, okay so um those first 10 days I was pretty unwell, but I felt that I was getting a wee bit better at t 10 days. And then all of a sudden I um, woke up, the, you know, at day 11 and I just couldn't breathe, could not breathe, you know, just gasping constantly, couldn't finish a sentence, like just ev just even sitting up. And thinking about it now, you can see. Yeah, so um, I have friends here doctors over in ED and I text them and said what do you think and they said no you need to come over so for me that was probably the most traumatic time whenever I had to go to A&E and leave my girls are in tears <laughs> my husband was in tears and I was like 
I don't know if I'm coming home. You know, that's how bad I felt at that stage when I went over to A&E. And whenever you're a nurse and you see a colleague and you're worried about them, then you see that in their eyes. And I remember my friend, she looked in the window and she looked like she was, I thought I was going to go, but well, I didn't, obviously. But it's just, you know, I think people don't realise even for um, how scary it is to go to hospital um, and not have your partner or your someone with you. You know, I had to walk in and leave them and they didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. But the co my colleagues, their fear in their face made me more fearful. But thankfully, you know, it, they, I didn't need to be admitted because at that point they were really only admitting people who were really in need of the hospital bed. And I basically, as a nurse, begged them. I said, look, if you think I'm okay to go home, I will just go home. Because I was scared to be admitted because I kind of thought the outcome wasn't as positive at that point, you know, for patients who went in with COVID, you know. So what was your treatment then? Um, I, 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 can't, I had just had, uh, I think it gave me fluids and a bit of oxygen, but it wasn't, the, again, I'd had antibiotics previous, you know, whenever um, they had x-rayed me on the day that I was last at work, they'd given me antibiotics to take as a precaution. <clears throat> so they didn't give me any more antibiotics because I'd just finished the course. So there wasn't really a treatment as such. Yeah. It was go home and rest and just hope that your breathing improves. Well, that was the thing. I mean, did your breathing improve? Um, it improved a little. It got to, um, it didn't improve enough that the doctors were happy. And, you know, I kept in touch with the doctors in ED and on the fifth week, they wanted me back because they were worried I had a PE, you know, a clot in my lung uh, because the breathing hadn't improved significantly. So I went back over and, but my bloods were okay, um, which is normal, which is quite a common thing in COVID, long COVID after, you know, at this stage, I was five weeks down the line. So I was quite unusual. You know, for and the we hadn't thing. heard of long COVID no. at that point. You that really... would have been May time. You know, so again, people were it was new. And were people taking you seriously? Did you find you got a lot of support at the time? Well, my colleagues knew me and what I was before, so they did say that I was not right. You know, they knew I wasn't well, and they just said you need more rest. You need complete rest for two weeks. You know, because. Up until that point, even despite my breathing, I was trying to walk, you know, a bit around where we live. Because you think, well, you have, that's what you do. You just try to get, improve your function and that sort of thing. But they said, no, complete rest and hopefully your breathing will settle. And it did to a degree, but I would still have episodes of breathlessness or, um, you know, just struggling with my breathing, but I think at this stage it's more to do with the fatigue rather than, you know, a chronic lung condition. So, so you're 16 months on now, yeah. and how would you describe how you feel today? Um, I feel my main symptoms now would be fatigue, and I say it's crippling because it has literally crippled me and to the point that I am 80% housebound unless someone can take me out. If I do go out, I have a stick or a wheelchair if it's going to be for, you know, a longer distance. Um, I have headaches all day, every day. 
I waken up and feel like I have the worst hangover. Um, no sleep refreshes you. I would have nightmares. I would have very restless sleep. Um, I have constant ringing in my ears, which is which only really started in January. You know, so it's not some of my symptoms have only started since January. So it's a really bizarre condition. I have pain in my muscles, in my back, in my joints. Um, I have muscle weakness, but it's not due to deconditioning, if you know what I mean. You know, there's a difference because I know as well with fitness instructing, it's a different type of, it's not just because you've, you haven't exercised in a while, you know, it's a different sort of feeling. It's a heaviness. Um, like some days I struggle to, this sounds really exaggerated, but lift my arms to feed myself. Really? That, that bad. That's how bad. Or if you're lying in bed and you want to turn over, that's a real effort. And that's like really, I think people think that's a very exaggerated thing, but it's not, it's real, you know, and... And for somebody who, I mean, even just reading the introduction to you, I was I was exhausted just thinking of the of the, the way you worked before. I mean, yes. it was twenty four seven yes. on the go, on 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 energy, yes, endless energy. Yes, how horrendous has it been for you to to now live this life? It's it's pretty horrendous. I think um, a big part of it is acceptance, and um, you know for. I would say I've only really started to accept this 90% of the time uh, from about May. You know, not, you know, it's taken a long time to get my head around it because I think I was still fighting it, which wasn't helping with my recovery. You know, I was angry, I was frustrated, I still get that. Well, you want to have hope as well. You want yes, to think, well, it yes. will get, well, it will improve. Do you feel it will improve? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I. <laughs> I think because I have, I'm not getting any improvement. You know, I, I look okay. I think that's a big part of it. You know, people think, sure, she looks okay, but they don't see that later on, I will be, I'll be fit for nothing. You know, you have to prep, you have to choose your activity and then you suffer the consequences. You know, and, and even go, go, going through this and having to talk at, at yes, such, so you know, that this is exhausting. Yes. And we really appreciate you doing this. Now, I don't want this to be completely doom and gloom because oh, no, no. I think acceptance is, is, yes. is part of that. And you've also had some great support yes. from Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke yes. uh, with their uh, COVID recovery yes. program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I saw um, another long... Covid uh, suffer Saskia on the TV talking about the program in about September October time and when I saw Saskia I thought that's me oh my goodness someone else is going through this because up until then no one really wasn't really talked about or no one really knew what was going on so I um, <clears throat> contacted the charity and requested if I could take part in this recovery program and. Um, I got a phone call from Gemma and I mean that phone call just made my day you know I cried afterwards because it was the first time someone who didn't know me but totally believed everything I was talking about and said you know we're here to help and you know they, it's not that they knew 
what long COVID was because it wasn't actually a, a known condition until the end of de December or mid just before Christmas. And that just validation of someone saying to you, we believe you, we're here for you. We don't know what to do, but just to have the support was amazing. You're not on your own anymore. You're not on your own. So I started the recovery program, I think it was the end of November. And the first meeting we had was where there was 12, no, there's maybe 15 or something, I can't remember, but we're all women and all around the same, well, I was the youngest is maybe 36 at the time, 35. And then the, the oldest lady was in her um, late 60s. And just to see women and all of us going through the same thing was just amazing. And to have- this virtual. Virtual, yeah. resume and from all over Northern Ireland, which was great. And um, yeah, it was the first time I felt just oh my goodness, there's other people going through this. And the support that the girls, that Gemma and Ashley provided every week was just amazing. And we had, they taught us about breathing techniques, relaxation tips, diet, um, setting goals, which I think after such a long time of not being well, you kind of think you sort of lose focus and just, and also it was good because we set the goals and then we were accountable to them. Oh yeah, that's all, an accountability buddy. Yeah. yeah. It, that was really good. Um, they, they, even on Zoom, you could go into like little pairs to talk with other women and we got to know each other as well, you know, from doing that and just, I mean, we, we always had a question, we had to come back with the answers, but we didn't ever have the answers because we were too busy talking about our experience and how we felt. So. That. But even that in itself is yeah. just suddenly here's people and and did you find that they all had the same experience yeah, but, were the symptoms the same they were very similar yes um and sharing tips and techniques of how to cope yes we, we were all just so relieved to actually be heard because i think a lot of the problem up until then and continues to be is that when we phoned our gp they weren't very supportive or they didn't know you know what was what, going on they prescribe usually so yeah. there's nothing to prescribe exactly so there was that you know we hadn't none of us had had a great support from anyone other than family members so to actually you know just even to talk and say well i did that and it didn't work or you know it was really and good also with family members too you don't want to be burdening them all the time. That's right. Yes. You're being support. You're trying to be strong for the girls. Yes, that's daughters. right. Yes. And I mean, sometimes we did. So we got to know each other well enough to be real. You know, some weeks you knew when someone wasn't right. And but the chest, heart and stroke girls were so aware of that, that they would have made sure that, you know, they would have said like, Rebecca, are you OK? You know, they, they noticed it, even though it was virtual, they were still so sensitive and aware of that. And, and some days some of us did cry because we'd had a really bad week, but that was okay, you know, even to be able to do that. And we were all there to support each other, which was nice rather than it sort of, as you say, with family members, you maybe don't do that because you're trying to be the, the brave person, you know, and not let on. So the service was just a lifeline for me. I say that constantly that it just, it just gave me that lift that we needed at that time. And and going forward, I'm sure you're all very close now. Do you we, do you we, keep in touch? We have. After the programme ended, I asked Gemma 
if it would be possible to continue the group you know after and uh, 12 of the girls then continued um we met every week from january i hosted a meeting um and that was that can that was a really good support um just with the way my my symptoms then progressed it was taking too much out of me and we sort of have had a bit of a break just because um I had to protect yeah. myself as well, you know, but we would, I still have, I have three girls in particular that I would be very close to and we speak, you know, have message each other um, regularly and just check in. Um, and I've also reached out to other people in Northern Ireland who maybe haven't been through the recovery programme, but um, just with my social media work, I've sort of reached them and then I've hosted other meetings. You've like. been extremely busy and you've become really a spokesperson. Um, and, you know, sharing your experiences has helped so many, but you have to look after you. Mm -hmm. We're going to let you have a little rest okay, now. For thank, you. Because okay. thank you for sharing with us. But I'm going to bring Catherine in. Obviously, uh, Catherine Mernon is, is, is watching and listening to this Director of Care Services at Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke. I mean, an incredibly powerful uh, story there, Catherine. And as we've been hearing, you know, Rebecca is not alone. And even just hearing how young she is and how many other younger people have been affected by long COVID. And I know Northern Ireland Chest Heart and Stroke has always dealt with respiratory illness and disease, but this has been something that you've had to offer and turn to and pivot within the organisation really quickly and you've done it so well. Tell me how you set up the recovery programme. Well I suppose last year we just had moved everything to an online platform because all of our services before that would have been face to face and our respiratory team identified really early on, probably about April time, that people would go into the pandemic and come out of it with a respiratory condition that they didn't have before. So I suppose before long COVID was a thing, the team actually recognised that some sort of COVID recovery would have to happen. And then at what point did you start to realise, you know, this is not just what happens at the time and the 10 days or the month afterwards. What, at what point did you realise that long COVID was a thing? Well, I suppose we were getting inquiries from individuals who themselves hadn't been in hospital or had been in for a very short time, but were really feeling quite overwhelmed. And I suppose that the symptoms that Rebecca talked about, feeling tired, feeling breathless. And we knew from experience that our self-management programme within the Breathing Better team could actually help that. And Rebecca has also mentioned, I mean, the, the NHS were completely overworked dealing with the emergency end of things. The GPs, sure, you couldn't go into the, the surgery. What could they actually do? So there was a real need for you to be there in that supportive role. And you stepped up. We did. And I think that was testimony just to the skills of the team. I mean, Northern Ireland Chest Heart and Stroke is that local charity and very much wanted to be there to support people when they needed it. As you say, we knew that GPs were closed. People were encouraged not really to come to ED as well. So the programme was put together very quickly, but online worked really, really well. Well, as we were hearing there and that support and that sharing of experiences and that unburdening when you can't, you don't want to, to, to always be putting upon your, your family or your friends and you think, I, I, I need to talk to somebody who understands. Um, and the sensitivity that the staff showed as well and the compassion has been incredible. You must be so proud of your staff. 
Extremely proud. And I think the things that Rebecca talked about around people maybe not understanding because COVID was so new and most people who have come on the programme look like they did before they had COVID. So it's those hidden challenges that they've had around fatigue, the worry. And I really love the fact that people talked about feeling listened to for the first time. And I mean, the team, I've seen them in action in that online platform where they create that opportunity for people just to feel connected. They deal with the emotion of all of that. But it's just testimony to the skills that the, the, the care services team have in Chest Heart and Stroke that they just put that into, into practice in their jobs. Now, it is called a recovery programme, and that's absolutely where you hope that you can you can get to. A lot of that recovery is mental as well as physical, would you say? Totally. And again, everybody's so different and so individual, even though they have shared symptoms. But we don't know what people are coming from in terms of their own personal circumstances. A lot of that is shared online but again it's such early days yet hopefully there will be other things that will come in place to enable people to recover but mentally and physically i think that connection and peer support has been something that's really helped people through i think it's been incredible i mean that's exactly right you know you're putting together a program um and you're 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 looking to experiences all around the world for has other people you know have they been through this what works what do you find has been the best thing that you do on the recovery program apart from the support what are the the practical steps what are the exercises we we heard about some breathing techniques and things like that what does seem to work well it is those practical things and i think sometimes when people are in the thick of it they don't often understand the skills that they actually have in themselves so it's just really teasing those out so letting people know that the things around anxiety breathlessness fatigue they are normal um, processes within long COVID and there's lots of things you can do around that so I think we just talk a lot to people about taking that time to reflect that time to actually take your exercises but not push through we've heard a lot of people talking about just get in there and push through no there's a lot of grown evidence now to say that there has to be specific ways to do that so I think our team have really enabled people to, to do that as well and also things like sleep again a lot of people have come through the program like um, Rebecca, motivated, balancing different lives, you have to be able to take that time back just to relax and restore your body as well. And every day will be different. And even if you do have a good night's sleep, you can still feel, feel fatigued the next day. So those tips and techniques to manage that are really, really important. Rebecca also sort of, uh, you, you spoke there about acceptance, you know, kind of knowing that I'm right here right now and maybe only baby steps forward some days and, and not so many steps another day but if there's anybody watching this now that maybe feels they've had COVID and they, they haven't recovered properly but they're not quite sure is it long COVID what is this what support can you give them it is the baby steps the small steps and I think as Rebecca mentioned as well sometimes it's just people feeling that they're actually being listened to Again, no criticism, criticism of what's happening in health and social care, but it's a very busy, pressurised place at the moment. So we would say to people, get in touch with us. Obviously, we have capacity issues and we have to triage people and, and take a referral process. But sometimes it's just getting that initial conversation with somebody who can listen to you, give you some information, and then you feel that you can take those next steps yourself. So you really have become firefighters in all of this as well. You're, you're, you're delivering a service that's so badly needed. Can you talk numbers at this stage? What are we, what are we looking at? So at this stage, we've had um, four programmes and we have put um, almost 100 people through that. Now we've had a lot more inquiries and a lot more advice behind the scenes. But in terms of the actual six week programme, it initially started as a pilot in July last year. 
We had no idea that it would go as far as it did go. But at the moment, we're in, in conversations with our health and social care colleagues because we do feel it's our 75th year. We're in a respiratory pandemic and we really should be able to secure some respiratory funding for that. And are you getting that recognition? that you it's, are providing this? It's starting now, I think. And, you know, that's always the challenge, Sarah, that the charity sector, I think, sometimes can be perceived as, you know, the poor relation, but we're really encouraging the powers that be to get us around the table early on, to have those conversations that will enable the solutions to come in place and listen to that lived experience of people like Rebecca. Yeah, and, and the thing is, um, we've seen with all of these vodcasts, you know, you absolutely depend on on fundraising and 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 the public donations to to keep these services going, and that's that's just not enough when it comes to this particular service. I don't think so because we don't know how long long COVID is going to be around. I mean, when you look at some of the statistics around cases and things that are happening just in the last wee, wee while, what knock-on effect is that going to actually have? So we want to be there. We want to be ready to support as many people as we possibly can. But we can't do that without with the generosity of the public, but also, I think, for our statutory sector to step up as well. And Rebecca, when you hear that, when you know that this service only exists because of the generosity of the Northern Irish people, um, does it frustrate you? Do you think that this needs to receive more funding from, from government? Absolutely. I mean, the, I've said from I was first on the programme that it's, it's, it's brilliant that the, that the charity stepped up so early on, but again, but I think it's it's a bad reflection on the health and social care. You know, I know there was a ma it's a pandemic and they had to firefight, as you said earlier. You know, the situation. But um, I think the charity needs recognised as being the one and only thing in Northern Ireland that actually was there for people with long COVID right from the start, or even recognised that COVID wasn't just a two-week condition that was going to go away. You know, I think they definitely need recognised. They definitely need help and. Yeah. And you're helping as well in your own small way. You and your daughters yeah. are definitely, you know, fundraising for the charity. Tell us what you're doing. I think we can see some evidence <laughs> yeah. of what you're doing. Excuse me. Well, I can't do anything physical for the charity to fundraise. And excuse me. Um, we started to make jewellery. So beaded jewellery. Um, uh, I've got my bracelet and my necklace on. And we just have been... It's something that the girls and I can actually do together and enjoy most of the time. Um, and then we decided, we sort of said it as a joke, you know, we could sell this. And then we sort of talked about it a bit more. And then we decided that 50% of the sales would go towards chest, heart and stroke, just a small way of, you know, contributing, giving back to what um, what they've done for, for me personally and for how that has also my girls and my husband and wider family recognise what the charity has done for me. So um, we just thought we'd do a wee thing to so give come back. On, give it a plug then okay. if anybody's watching. <laughs> well, it's called Trixie's Trinkets and we're on Instagram and Facebook. So you just, you can tell us what you'd like to order. We do personalised, bespoke, bespoke oh. custom made, you know, we we do it. So, we, so you have uh, the girls working very hard. There. Yes, yes, they're working away, <laughs> dealing with all the orders. Yes. But you've done quite well. You've done. You've yes. Raised so, so we've we have had the business going for four weeks, and we have raised one hundred and ninety-five pounds for chest, heart, and stroke. That is in the first absolutely four weeks. amazing. So I'm hoping that that continues. So just grateful for the people who've bought from us and hope to continue to. I'm dreading even asking you this question, but. 
I'm just wondering where you are now in your life, in acceptance, in your goals. You know, where do you see the future for you? I think the future is uncertain still for, for me. You know, I think this time last year, I thought I would be better by now and back to normal. So um, I think I have it's uncertain. I don't. I. I think I've accepted that I'm not going to be that person I was before. You know, I've been told recently. You know, it could take years and years. Um, I need to park certain things that I aim to get. You know, work and fitness and that sort of thing. Um, I just have to. You know, some days it's really hard, and I think coming into a different. You know, your second autumn or second winter of feeling of being unwell when you've been so fit before and also not realizing how COVID would you can't sometimes I can't believe that COVID has caused me to be like this and never did I think that but I just I just have to just keep going as I am and make the most of I've, I've definitely I try to make the most of how I am and if we go out we know we've got a two-hour window of what we can do and what I can't can't do like I can't go to shops which kills me because I love shopping <laughs> but you know I, I choose what I do um, that so that we can enjoy that time and so the mobility is, a, is an issue I know you have my stick here <laughs> and a wheelchair yeah so the mobility is a big issue plus I cognitively I get very tired which things that I didn't even know would affect a person you know noise light music going into a restaurant is like Ah, you know, uh, too much going too on. Too much going on, um, and some people hear that and think it's anxiety. It's it's not anxiety. It's just that cognitive. It's all your senses are heightened. I don't know if COVID has obviously done that because it wouldn't have been an issue before. But do others say the same thing? Yes, others have said the same. The cognitive fatigue is can be as bad as the physical fatigue and brain fog and you know, that sort of thing. So you have to adapt to be able to move forward. Is there any small goal that you have that you'd like to achieve at the fundraiser? Yeah, the fundraiser, yeah, just to keep going with that. And I think my main goal is my, my, ch my girl, it has affected the whole family. So they're my priority in making sure that they accept me as I am now too. So just having, I think we're getting there slowly, you know, just they, because initially they were really upset with me in the wheelchair obviously but now they fight over who pushes me because they're so protective do you know what I mean it's just um yeah small goals just to just it's hard to know I, it's just making the most of the way I am and I think for a while I was very negative about the way I was you know have to embrace it and go forward. Looking for the positivity, so yeah. positive somewhere. But Rebecca, I tell you, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm really sorry for everything you've been through, but you are a fantastic champion and, you know, keep fighting. Thank you, Sarah. Keep baby steps. And Thank Catherine, you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. So thanks so much to Rebecca for sharing um, her story on this edition of Heart to Heart. And of course, if anybody has been affected by long COVID and would like some support, you can contact Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke. So coming up on our next edition of Heart to Heart, we'll be talking all about asthma and the dangers of not managing it correctly. So I hope you can join us again for that. Um, make sure that you follow Northern Ireland Chest, Heart and Stroke on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Until next time, thank you very much and we'll see you again.